The Braves don't completely leave the winter meetings empty-handed. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano coming to us from San Diego as the winter meetings wrap up and the Braves fans finally get their wish. Justin, it is a move, a big arm for a solid prospect. It is a move, and we had gotten through 33 minutes and 22 seconds of a podcast, and uh, we were talking about the quiet winter meetings, the quiet winter meetings, don't fret, don't fret, Uh, here's why you can expect them to do something still this winter, and then, bang, we see the news, we react, our jaws drop live, we scrap it, uh, and now we're here talking about Atlanta filling out its bullpen uh, and really completing it with what seems to be the one big move they'll make is they round out a group that looks to once again be one of the best in baseball on paper. All right, so coming up, we will dig into the Joe Jimenez trade and why the Braves gave up their top-hitting prospect to get him. Plus, what else the Braves accomplished in San Diego? The latest on the Dansby Swanson situation, the escalating prices for shortstops. How much will the Braves miss Kenley Jansen? And who are the favorites now in the National League East? Plus, your questions in our Ask Justin segment. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, now, as Justin said, uh, you know, this is a new podcast, and this is the first time we've actually gotten breaking news in the middle of the taping. You know, we were were like 90 seconds away from finishing this bad boy, and Justin goes, oh, blank, hang on, Jay, we've got some action, and here it is. Yeah, so the Braves traded Justin Henry Malloy, um, their top position player prospect, and Jake Higginbotham, a left-handed prospect, for Joe Jimenez from the Tigers, and he's a late-inning option, He's probably going to be the setup man to close a Rysel Iglesias. And yeah, this is the one big move I thought the Braves would need in their bullpen. And this is Anthopolis-esque in the way that, Jay, we talk about all these guys and where are they going to go to find an impact reliever? What are they going to do? And then Alex gets on Zoom and says, we've been thinking about this guy since last year's, you know, this summer's trade deadline. Uh, and so he got the guy they coveted for a few months. There's Alex explaining just after 11 p.m. on Wednesday night why they wanted the big guy, 277-pound righty from Detroit so bad. We continued to um, ask Detroit about him, and it took a while, but we finally were able to complete the deal today. And we view him as a late-inning guy, fastball 96-98, very good slider. The makeup is outstanding. We did a lot of work on him there. And um, just be a very good fit, I think. The one thing we felt very good about our bullpen last year when we added Iglesias to Kenley and the uh, and Minter and Lee and McHugh and so on, and um, obviously with Kenley being a free agent, you know, we felt like we were, and Iglesias assuming that role, you know, that power right-hander, we were short a power right-hander in the bullpen to have what we hope is a very deep, strong bullpen. And um, obviously adding a guy like uh, Jimenez is, really com- completes it for us. Now, guys with a career ERA over five generally aren't coveted, but it seems like he has turned a corner, and his strikeout rate is pretty impressive. Yeah, his strikeout rate was in the 95th percentile. 
in the sport last season. Um, and the fact that the Braves pursued him last, you know, I should say this summer, feels like last summer, this past season, and then in the months after, really shows you that they believe this is real. And what they're looking at, I think, is the fastball with some ride, some hop, as Alex said. Um, you know, sits, you know, 95.7 was his average on that. Uh, his slider, hitters hit under 200 against that slider last year. Um, he's got great stuff. The strikeout rate hasn't always been this good, but it looked like he turned a corner in 21, found something, um, or in 22, I should say, found something. He'll be a free agent after next season, but this is really what the Braves needed. They lost Kenley Jansen, and they really liked the setup uh, with Kenley Jansen and Rysele Iglesias in the same bullpen. Jansen is a closer. Iglesias is a power righty. You move Iglesias into the closer role, presum- presumably, and Jimenez is your power righty. You know, another one of those guys. The Braves have really looked to stack that bullpen with late-inning options um, in recent years because they figured out a few years ago that it was just too expensive to trade for these guys at the deadline. The prices were crazy. You had to give up a lot. Now, it looks like they might have given up a lot in, you know, Malloy this time. But even so, Anthopolis has a good track record, and there was uh, a reason for giving him up. Justin Andrew Malloy from Georgia Tech, the Braves' top hitting prospect, and the cost was high, and Alex says he was aware. Yeah, it's always tough. You you don't – you would love to keep all your prospects, keep all your young players. Obviously, a nice job by, by uh, the amateur scouting staff uh, to get Malloy in the sixth round, and a you know, fantastic job by the player development staff you know, to have him move through the system and play the way he did and – um, you know, he did a really nice job for us and we were excited about him. Uh, but look, when we signed Riley to that long-term deal, we shifted him to the outfield. Uh, obviously Olsen was signed long-term at first base. So, um, third and first, we're not going to be a position for him in Atlanta. Braves are very short on hitting prospects and Malloy was not really on anybody's radar when 22 started, but what, what did you hear from him that elevated him so quickly through three levels of ball? Yeah, great, you know, plate discipline, it seems like, in the reports and, like, bat-to-ball skills. Um, He really, really rose. He's a guy who went from high A and finished the season in AAA in his first full season of professional baseball. So he really is a guy coming out of college. You've got to be probably on a faster development track these days um, than you ever have. And he was really on a good one, probably ready to debut next year or the year after um, at some point, but probably was never going to get a chance in Atlanta because Austin Riley's at third base, Matt Olson's at first. Um, Those were two possible positions. In the summer, because of the Riley deal, they transitioned him, you know, out to the outfield. Um, And he hasn't had a ton of time out there, so it might not be fair yet, but he doesn't have great foot speed and is seen as somebody who is below average defensively um, out there. He can improve, um, but right now that's kind of the report on him. And I also heard that from third base, a lot of his throws weren't great. He struggled with accuracy. Um, So this was somebody that, I'll put it to you this way, I mean, I think the Braves clearly liked him, but I was told by somebody in the industry that the Braves are not going to be burned by this trade. And that's the the bottom line here. Our initial reaction was definitely an eye raiser when it interrupted our podcast. after taking a couple hours to think about it, what do you think? I understand the calculus. I was surprised because trading a top prospect like that 
you would expect to get more than one year of control and, you know, more than a reliever with one year of control. But there's always the age old adage of, you know, titles are forever, right? And you need that last bullpen piece. And maybe the Braves didn't love Malloy as much as the fans and the media hyped him up. Um, there's also that possibility. Um, I think, I think it's a good move because they probably, they weren't going to get a Joe Jimenez on, you know, in free agency. This was, this was a guy they had targeted, a guy they coveted. Um, and I think, look, like the price could be steep and Detroit really likes Malloy just tonight. Uh, Scott Harris told reporters that Malloy is the hitter with the exact type of identity that Detroit's looking for as they look to rebuild this thing. Um, so the yeah the price was steep. You don't like giving up young players if you're a GM, but that's the cost sometimes. And the Braves are in win now mode. And the truth is this: they got a great pitcher, um, and Malloy might end up being a wonderful hitter at the big league level. But Michael Harris is going to be in center field for a while. Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be in right field for a while. The Braves could trade for a left fielder. There might have not even been spots on the big league roster you know, for Malloy. Um, so the Braves kind of sold high when his stock was high and uh, it netted them a guy they believe is a really, really good late inning guy. All right, we'll address the Xander Bogarts Hall uh, coming up in a few minutes, but uh, like we said, we'd already recorded a lot of this podcast, so we want to get you back to what we had already done. Most of it's going to hold up, and we'll start with uh, Braves fans' frustrations on why it appears they're getting passed uh, by their major rivals in the NL East and why Atlanta didn't make any gigantic moves at the winter meeting. So we return you to our regularly scheduled podcast already in progress. All right, so let's start with an early uh, Ask Justin preview, and we'll lead off with uh, this from Jack Burton. Yeah, first question, WTF. <laughs> yeah, I. are you sure that was only one question, or was that 16 of them we got on that tweet? Well, that, that, it was a few. We're going to let Jack speak for the group. Yeah, um, I know, I know, I know, but Alex Anthopoulos has won five straight division titles since coming to Atlanta. The man has a plan. Um, things might not be as active as fans want, but the Braves were never expected to make a ton of splashes, uh, this off season, maybe one, uh, and look, the off season did not end tonight. Things should be fine, but I understand the angst amongst the fan base. Uh, you know, you guys want something to talk about, something to celebrate, something to, to kind of be excited about going into 2023, something new, um, and yeah, this uh, this winter meetings probably gave you the opposite. Uh, here's some advice from Braves manager Brian Snicker for those a little frustrated. I tell the I told the guys too a couple of years ago. It's like we worked really hard to get to where we come to spring training, and really there's not a lot of jobs, and that's a good thing because, like I say, but when I first got here, you know, we were putting "We'll work for food" signs out on the interstate trying to get guys to come in here. So. Um, you know, we've, we've worked really hard to get this to where it is and, and the expectation, and we've set the bar pretty, hard, pretty high for ourselves. They've done a great job organizationally and locking up some really quality, young, talented players and, and uh, feel really good with where we're at. When you got the best young core locked up in, uh, in baseball, you've won five straight divisions, you've got a pretty good team. Shouldn't be much you have to do. Yeah, and I think – a lot of people are not going to be happy hearing that from Snicker, from Alex Anthopoulos. 
But that's the way it is. Uh, the Braves have done a lot of their heavy spending, their quote-unquote free agent spending, through their extensions. That's where they've dedicated a lot of their resources. Um, and because of that, there aren't going to be a ton of areas to address. Um, there's, You can improve everywhere. Alex Anthopoulos has said as much multiple times this offseason, including twice this week. You can improve everywhere. And the Braves ex- have explored different ways to do so. But... They're just not a team that needs to overpay for a free agent or that needs to give up too much uh, in a trade. If they like a player, they're going to do it. They're going to make it happen, and that's been very clear. But the Braves don't need, you know, a Trey Turner or a Carlos Correa. Would it be nice? Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want those players on the roster? But the Braves have gotten here from building from within – doing mostly team-friendly deals uh, and deals that benefit both sides, but just locking them, locking up players earlier before they get too expensive. Um, and that's been the motto. And, like, that's how they got here. And they haven't broken trend. They're probably not going to break form. A lot of these deals that we saw occur this week would not have made sense for the Braves. The, I've yet to see a deal that I was like, okay, well, the Braves could have done that. Maybe Mitch Haniger, if they wanted him, they don't have a ton of you know room before the luxury tax that shouldn't affect things, but they don't have a lot of areas where they just need to completely overhaul. So what what did happen with the Braves this week? What did they accomplish? Yeah, so uh, Alex Anthopoulos said that it was always good to have conversations, get everybody in the same room, talk about things. He felt like there was progress being made, even if the transactions log did not show it. Um but I think, you know, the Braves got a better idea of where they stand and where the market's going to stand. Uh, deals are their own things. They're standalone. But you see what Taiwan Walker got from the Phillies over $70 million over four years. Um, you see what Aaron Judge got, what Trey Turner got. And you start to get a feel for things being pretty expensive this time around. Um, and... You know, the Braves got a little more clarity in terms of Kenley Jansen's headed elsewhere, which, you know, uh, to Boston on a two-year, $32 million deal um, that was agreed to. But I think more so than anything, like, we learned something, and I think what that was was it does not seem like there's much progress on the Dansby front. And that's the next question on the list. And this is uh, time now for our weekly Dansby Swanson update, brought to you by Nobody. Uh, but if your company would like to sponsor this segment or anything in the Braves report, uh, see me after class. So uh, where things stands with Dansby? Yeah, uh, all indications um, are that there hasn't been a ton of progress. Uh, I'm not ready to say that the Braves have moved on or that Dansby's moved on, but it really seems like status quo. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a ton of movement um, on either side. And... This always comes with the disclaimer that Alex Anthopoulos works in silence. Um, He's probably the best in the business at not letting things get out. Uh, We could be doing this podcast, and we'll see a press release saying Dansby Swanson signed a six-year deal. Um, That could always happen, but it just doesn't seem like there's been a lot of progress on that front. And that could be, if that is the case, you know, truly is the case, that could be because each side knows the offers. Like, I mean... The Braves offered Dansby in the second half of the season. He turned it down, countered, um, and then they didn't like that. So 
his counter and weren't comfortable with that. And so, I mean, that could be the main reason for the snag, and the Braves might just be letting him test the market, see what you get, um, different things like that. Uh, but it just does not seem like there's a ton of optimism from people around the industry right now. Things could change because Dansby Swanson and the Braves, a reunion there makes all the sense in the world. They want to keep him. He wants to stay there. It provides him probably the mo- the best winning situation of any of the teams who are interested on him in him. Heard all that before. Yeah, exactly. Did you hear that 365 days ago, to be exact? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. But, and look, like, Dansby has earned the right to free agency, to test the market, to get as much as he wants. Like, he had a great year. He's developed into a really, really great ball player. Um, and on the other end, the Braves, like any team, have a breaking point, a point they won't go past. Um, they know, you know, they've got to take emotion out of it. Alex is very, very good at that, at being calculated and knowing what's going to be best for the organization. Um, and look, like, he has gotten, Alex has gotten this organization to where he has, in part, because he is so good on the margins like that, because he's good enough to say, am I really better with Dansby Swanson, or can I go this route, be just as good, add over here, and maybe be better in the long run? He asks himself all those questions, and a lot of times makes the right decisions and the correct calls as difficult as those may be. But I just think Dansby this time around, it really seems like if he wants more than the Braves are willing to offer, I don't know if he comes down because he's going to have suitors. Like to me, the Cubs seem like a great fit uh, on a team that would want him. And I just think it's really going to come down to price and the Braves really don't tend to overpay. All right, now after midnight, we found out Xander Bogarts got paid significantly, 11 years, $280 million. He comes $20 million in behind Trey Turner. How is this going to affect Dansby's pocketbook now? Uh, Jay, I told you I wasn't – there was nothing at these winter meetings that made me more optimistic that Dansby would be with the Braves next year. Uh, the Bogarts deal pers- presumably drives up Dansby's price even more. Um that's 11 years, 280 reportedly. Um, that's a lot of money. And yes, here's the thing that we talked just about in. is that there are a good handful of teams that still need a shortstop. And there are a good handful of teams among that good handful of teams that aren't going to want to pay Carlos Correa prices. They're not going to want to pay Correa prices. Dansby is by far the best option on the free agent market if you want to get a great shortstop because you've got guys like Jose Iglesias, you've got Elvis Andrus, you've got maybe guys you, you could trade for if you're other teams, but Dansby's just a really dang good ball player. Um, and he's going to cost way less than Correa. So he's that final one. And the fact that Bogart's got $280 million, which will break the news again, is a lot of money. That's a very, very good thing for Dansby. We've been taking a temperature on this throughout the offseason, and we'll continue to do so, but if you were setting the odds, who was the favorite to be the Braves shortstop in 23? Oh, God. Um, I mean, right now, because Dansby's a free agent, I would say Vaughn Grissom, because a trade doesn't come out to me immediately. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported that, um, of USA Today reported that Willie Adamas 
will not be traded by the Brewers. Obviously, that could change if somebody knocks their socks off. There are others, but I just think that I don't know that the Braves signed Bogarts or Correa. Uh, if you're not willing to go up to that price point on DeGrom, if you're not willing to go up to that price point on Swanson, it's fair to ask, would you then go even higher for Bogarts? Would you go even higher for that for Correa? So right now, it seems like Grissom and Arcia uh, could share the spot just because I don't know that a Jose Iglesias is better than those guys you know, on the free agent market. And I don't know that an Elvis Andrus would be better than those guys, uh, than Arcia and Grissom. So right now, it's, it's those two. And like I've said all along, a Dansby and Braves reunion, a partnership for the next six years, makes all the sense in the world. That should be the likeliest outcome. It makes makes a lot of sense. It benefits both sides. But for some reason, it doesn't seem like there's been any progress. And so it's tough to even, you know, put the odds on Dansby. As for the Grissom situation, it's short. Snit says he hasn't seen it yet. We'll go to spring training. We have Arcia. We got Grissom. We'll let him play. We'll see where it goes. We got 30-some games to, to decide which way we want to go. You know, so... Um, and, and we'll see. I really, honestly, I haven't seen, but you know, I don't even remember Gris playing shortstop in spring training. You know, when we, them guys are caddying for us and helping fill games out. So, you know, it's just going to be one of those things. I'm for me, I might put my eyes on the whole situation before I make any determination. How's it going at the uh, Ron Washington camp for aspiring shortstops? <laughs> yeah, that uh, it can't hurt is what brian snicker said to have wash around to have him helping grissom um well it's you know i heard it was going very well uh the next one should be starting in a few days uh so they're gonna be i think three a few separate weeks uh and so the next one should be starting in a few days uh new orleans and i heard this at the time grissom was called up the braves when they drafted him knew look like there's a chance that this kid could have to move off shortstop. He might not be good enough to play shortstop, you know, defensively, good enough defensively to play shortstop long-term. The caveat that a couple of those people told me, Ron Washington's in the organization. That's about as good as you can get for infielders. And I think Grissom just hasn't played a lot. Like, and I, I just think he, he will should be fine if it comes down to that eventually. He's got the talent. He's got instincts. It's just about figuring where they want it, figuring out where they want to go and how they want to fill Dansby's void if he indeed does leave, which is no guarantee yet. I feel like we should probably qualify that with we're talking about all this, spinning all this forward. Dansby could still very well come back. I always thought he would. Now just the lack of progress makes me a little more pessimistic in that. But Ron Washington's working with Grissom. It's said to be going well. Um and we'll see how it goes. But, it, it, you know, kudos to Brian Snicker for not playing up his guy when he didn't even really remember seeing him there. Uh, meanwhile, looks like the Red Sox wanted Kenley Jansen pretty bad. Surprised he got a two-year deal? A little bit, yeah. Um, just because of the age. And he's not old or washed up. What I mean by that is usually teams will go year to year on a player like that. Um, and will kind of just be like, you know what, let's – Let's have this guy be our closer for 2023. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, we can always bring him back. Well, two years, and here's a good job by the agency, getting the same average annual value, $16 million, that he got on that one-year Braves deal last year, 
to get that for two years, two years, 32 million, that's a nice job. I am surprised a bit. You know, he got a two-year deal. Now, it's not a three- or four-year deal, um, so it shouldn't be that that surprising. But usually teams with relievers that age will tend to go one year. I thought he did a really, really nice job to get that. Um, and I'm excited to see him, Boston, him in Boston. I mean, he was really fun to work with, a great guy, always accountable when he would blow a save. You know, fun to watch. Like, he, he was a pro's pro. And he did a really nice job to get that deal in Boston. Sox clearly not worried about one of the slowest pitchers in baseball now having to deal with the pitch clock. He's the third slowest pitcher in terms of tempo. Um, and they're going to have to throw the ball, you know, within 15 seconds next year with that pitch clock. Kenley, I think, his pitch timer equivalent, according to Baseball Savant, so the amount of seconds would be like 25.4 or something like that. Uh, folks, that is that is about 10 seconds slower than what you need to be at for the pitch clock. That's going to be an interesting experiment. Um, I'm honestly not sure how much that factored into the Braves' calculus and this decision. I would say that as much as Alex Anthopoulos professed when we talked to him right at the beginning of the offseason that they liked having Jansen and Rysel Iglesias on their roster, look, they had they acquired last you know this past summer a closer in Rysel Iglesias that was on a four year is on a four year deal. He's still got three years left of that. Oh, by the way, he looked terrific for you. Uh, one run over, I think, twenty six and a third innings since the trade, and. There was no reason when you have a potential hole at shortstop, when you could upgrade in left field, when you could strengthen your bench, uh, when you need to add to the rest of the bullpen, when you might need a starter, could add a starter if you want to. I just don't see the need for a, a $16 million for Kenley Jansen fitting anywhere in there, especially because the Braves went to acquire a closer who's making $16 million throughout the, a year throughout the rest of his contract. Now, it's not like the Braves haven't made any moves uh, this offseason, but h- how much of the depth moves that the Braves made last month in the bullpen, Nick Anderson, Colby Allard, Dennis Santana, are playing in here? Yeah, um, they, I think they would still like to add because Dennis Santana's on the 40-man, uh, so is Colby Allard, Nick Anderson. You know, Nick Anderson should be in the bullpen come opening day uh, if everything goes well. Same with Santana. Like, they think he has the stuff to be a late-inning guy. Um, Anderson's got great strikeout numbers, um, and if he's past the injuries, could really, really be a pleasant surprise. Uh, and Jesse Chavez, you know what he can bring, um, and he's on a you know minor league deal that pays more if he makes you know if he's in the majors. I honestly think they would still like to add those moves. Didn't really completely fill out the bullpen, and that's just my opinion. That's my read on the situation. I think they would like to add now if they don't add to their rotation. Will I be surprised? No, because they've got four quality starters and a host of guys who, for that fifth spot, that could really take it. And a couple of those names are guys who have pitched much further up in the rotation. But I think they do need to add at least one, you know, quality reliever and maybe some, you know, some outfield help, you know, another bat and a reliever. I think a bat and a reliever might be the way to go, but we'll see kind of how they do this thing and where shortstop, where everything falls on the pecking order after shortstop. All right, so that's what the Braves did and did not do this week. Next up, we'll look at the rest of the division. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, now even during the offseason, we don't want you to miss out on any of our Braves coverage. And we've got it any way you want to get it. All of Justin's stories are on AJC.com slash sports, and they're also in the Braves section of the e-paper. We've got the Braves Report newsletter, our new Bradley's Buzz newsletter with insights on all of Atlanta sports from legendary AJC columnist Mark Bradley. And the only way you can get everything we have to offer is to join our community and subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Got a special deal running right now. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and you'll get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. So from now through Memorial Day, pretty much, you can get all the news and commentary you can handle for just a buck. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to take advantage of this great deal. And if you're friends of Justin, you'll get a nice Christmas present, and it'll cost him $1. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to be gifting subscriptions and throwing them down the chimney on Christmas Eve. All right, now, as for the NL East, a lot of presents coming down the chimney for those teams, too. Yeah, I know. I guess it keeps getting easier. <laughs> you know, but I, I think we talked about that last year. It's it's like those teams are going to continue to push and get better, and they have resources, and it's just, the, you know, that's the way it is. a very, really good division, and it's, it's um, you know, we're – in the same boat that we were in a year ago. It's just but we got to play the games. The good news is uh, the Braves don't have to play these teams as much anymore. Yeah, that new schedule means that the Braves and the Phillies and the Mets are not going to beat up on each other while the rest of the sport watches, um, while the rest of the sport gets to play the Pirates and the Cubs. Well, they might be better. They're actually spending. That's not fair. Anyways, point being – we're going to have fewer division games. These teams aren't going to beat up on each other as much. And the NL East gauntlet, there's going to be a different spin to it, Jay, because we're going to see how good the NL East is by virtue of how it does against the other divisions. The Braves and the Phillies and the Mets are going to get to play the Tigers. They're going to get to play the Royals. They're going to get to play the A's, teams like that. And even though, you know, they'll get to play good teams too. They'll get to play the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Orioles and everybody's going to be playing everybody at least once which cuts down on the division games and while we will be sad to see fewer Braves Mets games and Braves Phillies games it's going to be fun because I think you're going to really see the division flex its muscle but the Braves have known that the division's going to be strong Steve Cohen over in New York has committed to spending until the Mets can stabilize this thing $300 $300 million, and he's got a luxury tax to pay, too. Oh, and he's still got to fill out a rotation and a bullpen and yeah. re-sign Brandon Nimmo. And then John Middleton in Philly, if you thought Bryce Harper wasn't enough, here's Trey Turner. And then, oh, Taiwan Walker, $80 million over four years. These teams are really, really, really loading up. You know who I'd hate to be right now? Nationals fans? Yeah, and the Marlins. Because I feel like the Marlins have 
given a great run to actually trying to rebuild with prospects and through their farm system and develop players and draft well. They've got talent and young talent, but they are not the Braves. They are not the Phillies. They are not the Mets. It is going to be another another rough year for two teams in this division. We're going to get to see the other three flex their muscles, though. Uh, Nationals fans get to see uh, now not only Bryce Harper uh, in the division for a few more years, uh, now they get to see Trey Turner, who used to be theirs, uh, in this thing for another 11 years. And um, their best player is now in San Diego. And the guy they backed, uh, Steven Strasburg, uh, doesn't get to pitch much. Yeah, that was one of the biggest deals of the winter meetings three years ago here. And since then, pretty much nothing from Steven Strasburg, who's a San Diego State guy. But it's really fascinating to see the difference in the teams in this division uh john middleton and steve cohen commit to spending the braves have done it a different way and heck the braves have won five in a row and are going to be competing for a sixth don't they have to be the favorites i mean aren't you the favorites until given any any you know you give any reason for us to not call you the favorites if you come up to king you better not miss right Exactly. That's, uh, that's how Brian Snicker feels about the situation. We knew going in last year that these teams were going to get better. They're going to continue, and and, um, <clears throat> and I feel like we are too. We're going to be another year older, another year more experienced with some really talented young players, and and um, I, I think we're all really excited to get to get to work again. The Mets don't have much of a gap to close one game. Are they better today than they were in October? Uh, no. I would I would take DeGrom and Brandon Nimmo uh, over Verlander and Quintana. I just think, and they've traded for Brooks Raley for their bullpen. I mean, I just, I really do think that what they had last year was pretty special. Uh, DeGrom did not pitch the way he wanted to in his last few starts. Scherzer did not pitch the way he wanted to in his last two starts. Um, their season ended prematurely. But I thought that was as good of a Mets team as we've seen in probably, geez, since probably 2006. And I don't know that they are better. I think Verlander is an ace. I think he is competitive. I don't know if I buy into the competitiveness being different than Jacob deGrom's competitiveness. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in the world uh, when he's healthy. That's a big if. But... I really, really thought that Mets team was a special one. And if this one doesn't re-sign Brandon Nimmo and without Brandon Nimmo, I just can't call them better right now because I just think that's going to be a huge hole in the lineup. Quintana, Taiwan Walker a push? Yeah, I mean, just about. Taiwan Walker, the story's been you know great in the first half, a little sluggish in the second, um, has had injuries. I mean, he's a really good pitcher, but man, that was that was a lot of money for him. I I think that I think we call that even if Quintana pitches well. That's kind of a nice deal too for twenty six for the Mets. I think that was a really really nice deal because I think the Mets have pitchers and rotation options that they hope come through their system within the next three four years, and so getting Quintana for two and twenty six in this market thirteen million a year AAV. I thought they did a nice job with that, especially if you consider that guys like Zach Eflin are getting three for 40. Uh, Tyler Anderson, you know, three for 39. 
I, I really think that was a nice, nice little deal for the Mets. And you know Walker's still a pretty solid pitcher, and that's a pretty decent uh, front four for them if he can if he can continue his pace from last year. Yep, they are always going to ride on those top two horses, right? Like Nola and Wheeler, and I. Yeah, I, I really think that the biggest detractor from the Phillies over the last few years has been their pitching staff. They had the top end, they never had the depth, they didn't have the bullpen. But if they're willing to spend like this and round it out until they can develop some guys and get them up in there, you know, contributing um, more Bryson Stotts, the pitching version of Bryson Stotts, maybe this thing turns, you know, for them even more and they won't have to spend as much in the future. But I think that, you know, hey, Walker's a, a good option for them. Um, he's a good pitcher. The rotation is better today than it was a month ago. All right, now time for the rest of our Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. From Dylan Slimp. Sorry, Dylan, if I got that wrong, but if Dancy Swanson returns, should the Braves name an official team captain? I always like that. Ooh. I think so. Within two years. You see how it goes, and I think it could be an interesting idea. I don't know that there's a need for a team captain. I, I mean, I think people like the idea and they think it's cool, but it's just like if he's their unofficial captain, I think it's just the same. So I don't know that it matters too much. All right, next up from Mark Hampton. Not to be confused with Mike Hampton. That's a different guy. Any truth to the rumor the Braves declined a counteroffer from Dansby for six years, $140 million. That actually seems like a reasonable figure for both sides. Yeah, so in the second half of the season, I heard they both exchange offers, um, and those numbers are in line with what I had heard. I think um, John Heyman put that out. The New York Post put that out uh, publicly a couple days ago, and those numbers were in line with what I heard. And, yeah, reasonable, you know, maybe a couple months ago, um, but now the price has conceivably gone up, I would think. All right, next up from 1D, and he asked this before we knew about Bogart's deal. Uh, would you do this, Correa, 10 years, Three hundred thirty million, and would Correa do that? I would. Uh, three hundred thirty. Probably. Mm, probably not. For the ten years, the three hundred thirty, thirty-three million a year. That's pretty steep. Uh, he would do that, though. I think he's taking that for sure. I think he would do that. I mean, heck, if I were rich, I guess I would do it depending how much I had in the coffers. I mean, I guess I would do it. I think he takes that. I just think, man, $33 million, you don't know. I mean, but he is a special player, said to be a special leader. Um, it's really tough. I mean, heck, I'd do it. If my name's A.J. Preller or John Middleton or one of these guys, Steve Cohen, or somebody who likes to spend, I'd do it. Uh, second part of his question, Brian Reynolds. For Grissom, Elder, Muller, Schuster, and Smith-Sawyer, and a lower-level prospect. Uh, I'm a Brian Reynolds fan. I like his game. That's a lot, though. Uh, you're giving up a good young player who could be a good major leaguer, um, a couple good prospects. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot. I, I don't know. I don't think I'd do that one. All right, Stephen Marsh. Thanks for answering my question on the pod last week. You're welcome. Can you talk through what an offseason looks like for a major league manager and coaching staff? Yeah, I think it's a lot of connecting with players if they need to. 
um, and developing plans and maybe helping guys execute those plans, not even directly coaching them like Wash would be with Grissom, but, you know, being there as a resource if needed. And then, like, talking through, you know, towards spring training, they formulate practice plans um, and talk through players and things like that uh, and give the front office any input they need to. All right, last one from Wesley Rayner. If the Braves wanted to trade for an outfielder not named Reynolds, who do you think's out there? Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, I Reynolds to me seems like the likeliest bet just because if you don't, in terms of making a splash, because if you don't trade for him, you might as well sign, re-sign Adam Duvall or, you know, sign somebody like Andrew Benintendi or something like that. I mean, I just think that that would maybe work best the Reynolds one to me seems like a really good fit I mean I don't know who would be on the block you could look at toward Arizona who reportedly is interested in you know trading one or two of their young outfielders like Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy Jake McCarthy's a nice player um I think he need to have some control with young player who's good um rookie last year you know was highly regarded in the rookie of the year voting um even though he didn't finish third um but yeah, I think I mean I think you'd probably look to Arizona if you didn't do something with Brian Reynolds. All right, wrap it up here with our winners of the GM meetings. You first. My winner is Trey Turner. I mean, man. And then Aaron Judge. Because you bet on yourself and then you make like a bazillion more than you would have. Turns down two hundred and thirteen million dollars. How much how nice would this to be to have say that sentence come out of your mouth? And breaks the American League home run record and picks up another $147 million for his trouble. All right, and my winner of the week is going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, because they won the draft lottery, so they get the big guy out of France. Oh, wait, that's the Oh, right. wait. Oh, you know, I mean, I mean, he's probably as tall as Aaron Judge, right? So he can play center field. He's as tall as Aaron Judge. He probably weighs about half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that should prevent some injury concerns. Uh, my actual uh, winner of the week is Cody Bellinger because he hit uh, 210 and struck out in more games than he played and still got $17.5 million. That is a really good job. Uh, they non-tendered him, and he still almost matched the qualifying offer. That's uh, that's that's what you call a bounce back. That's, that's pretty good payday for a guy who got cut. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, if, you know... If our boss is listening to this and he's willing to cut me and then pay me that much more, I mean, I, I think we'd both do it, right? I've been I've been uh, cut for worse. Uh, so that's what we're going to uh, put it into this uh, rather Frankenstein uh, podcast. Thanks for uh, hanging with us. It's been a wild uh, night, but uh, this is the fun stuff. we got some action, and we're happy to do it. Yeah, this is why we do it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. And uh, I've got a feeling we're going to be back, and not just, not just back talking about stuff. We'll, there will be some news. I think we'll uh, – I, I feel pretty good about that. So stick with us anytime uh, Braves make a make a big move here this offseason. We'll have it for you on the Braves Report. And, you know, the best way to help us grow the show, if you like what you hear, is to rate and review and follow and share and subscribe. So tell everybody you know if you like it and uh, help us grow this thing. We'll be back next time on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, racing culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. 
Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,